and five, four, three, two, and ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Seven Circles. My name is Jonathan. I will be your host today. On today's program, we have Dante Leverett. Dante Leverett is a YouTube creator. He's also a conscious musician, as well as mm -hmm. a researcher and a scholar. Dante, mm -hmm. it's a pleasure to have you on the show today. How are you doing? Thank you, my brother. I'm, I'm doing pretty good, man. I'm doing great. Can't complain. I'm excited to be here. I thank you for having me on the platform. <laughs> Absolutely, man. You know, I appreciate you accepting my uh, invitation. When I, when I checked out some of your uh, uh, content that I um, I came across, I was um, um, impressed, might I say. You know, I, I, I like the way you think about uh, several different topics, and I found it really interesting. So that's the reason why I wanted to bring you up. Oh, thank you, bro. I appreciate that, really. I, I just try to be transparent and I changed my approach from how I've delivered content in the past. I'm still young. I'm, I'm 20, 25, about to be 26 in December. But um, like I've been trying to put out content for over a decade now. And I think my new approach is more so um, trying to be um, of service opposed to trying to do it for some type of gain, you know, of popularity or financial gain. It's more so of me just trying to convey my true self without thinking about what comes with that and that that's just that that revelation or that realization of how I should convey content just comes with you know maturity and my my aspect on life is much less about what I can get and more so about what I can get you know and and the, the transparency definitely does show uh, and that's definitely one thing that I was attracted to a lot of people they don't want to put their self in a vulnerable position, right? Because to be transparent, mm -hmm. you got to be vulnerable because they're afraid mm -hmm. of what people are going to say or, or getting hurt, et cetera. But for you to do that actually comes from a power of strength rather than uh, weakness. So there's you, several, you're welcome. You're welcome. There's several different topics that I wanted to get into today. Um, okay. but, before we, but before we actually start to, you know, uh, dig into this, I kind of wanted you to, um, you know, tell the people who you are, where you resided at this moment, and wh what was what was Dante like as a, um, so since you're only 25, what was Dante like in high school? Um, okay. Um, all right, my name's Dante, of course. Uh, last name Leverett. I don't have an alias. That's what I go by um, when, as, you know, in all the content that I create, you can search me on Spotify, Apple Music, um, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, my name's going to be the same on all of those platforms. Um, I feel like it's the most uh, organic approach um, since there's no separation between um, an alias and myself. You know, there's no separation between uh, how I create how, and how I convey content opposed to how I live my real life. So that's why I didn't feel the need to come up with an alias. Um, I spend all the, all of the time that I have in a day um, studying and researching. That's, that's what I love to do. Um, I think what I ultimately love to do more is to create content, right? I love to create, whether it's uh, making music, that's my, my first passion, my first passion, but I also love to create um, YouTube content of, you know, teachings and lectures and just uh, expressive, verbally expressive content. Um, but I feel like my research and my studying comes into play because as, as a child, growing up, I had dreams of being like a... Um, a bona fide celebrity, for lack of a better term. So I wanted to be famous. I wanted to be a famous musician. I wanted to be a famous actor. I just wanted to be seen. And partial of that desire of wanting to be seen stems from the fears that I had of, you know, um, 
um, being just like everybody else. But nonetheless, um, with me wanting to be seen and wanting to obtain a, a status of celebrity, I started my spiritual journey or my research, if you will, um, to figure out how I could empower myself above the circumstance, to figure out how I can empower myself above the average Joe, right? Who, who, so who I was, guess, huh? Who was Dante in high school? Were, were, were you a jock? Were you a nerd? Were you a computer geek? <laughs> were you a dropout? Were you, um, I don't know, a smoker or whatever? Like who, who was Dante? Um, I feel like I was uh, somewhere in the middle of it all. Like I played basketball, but I wasn't necessarily a jock. And my grades was too bad for me to um, sustain being on the team. So I, I was in the middle of that. Um, I, I was a late bloomer. I wasn't necessarily a smoker or a drinker, but I did ended up smoking like at the end of my senior year. I tried it. I ended up smoke, uh, drinking at the end of my senior year. I tried that. Wasn't a, a ladies man. Wasn't a girl getter. Um, I had my fair share of uh, females that I actually, you know, had entanglements with, but I never was like the ladies man. I was in the middle of being the most popular and the least popular. You know, a lot of people knew me, but I wasn't everybody's favorite person. Right. I was suspended a lot. I was often suspended because I got into a lot of fights. So um, I feel like those fights came from me having a chip on my shoulder of just, um, you know. And and, uh, and and you're in uh, Michigan right now? Yeah, yeah, I'm in Michigan, Detroit. Detroit, Michigan. What, mm. what is what is that like during this time with uh, COVID um, right now? I mean, we're like we're like 13 days before the election actually happens, and it's yeah. been an incredible year. You know, definitely a lot of uh, highs and a lot of lows, a lot of opportunities, a lot of missed mm-hmm. opportunities. Um, mm-hmm. what, what what has it been like? How did that whole thing unfold for you? Um, Detroit, I think is 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 special because um, I feel like we are um, more more often than not unfazed by like the political aspect of the country. And like maybe uh, on a a macro level, we are phased as everyone is affected by what happens politically. But I think on a micro micro level, um, Detroit is so impoverished that we, for better or worse, whether we have a good president or not, whether we have a lockdown or not, we don't necessarily feel the effects of the political um, ramifications over here. I feel like that's my personal opinion. It's, it's never really mattered to me until now who the president is and what's going on in politics. And that's a, a sentiment that's echoed throughout the city. Like, you know, like most people here don't really associate themselves with uh, the politics. It's not something that's common here. So, <coughs> wow. So, um, that was crazy, bro. It was a bug. I was waving it and it went in my mouth. Um, so yeah, we don't, uh, <laughs> like it's crazy, <coughs> but yeah, so, um, it's like, it's the same really, you know, despite whether, uh, what's going on with the election, uh, COVID kind of, um, you know, kind of stifled every, everybody's plans. But other than that, you know, Detroit is, like I said, it's, it's, it's special. It's unique. Like we got our own culture that that's not, you don't find outside of Detroit, you know? Mm. Are you guys um, still wearing face masks like in order to go to the grocery store and things like that? You have to wear um, Yeah. Yeah. We, we do wear face masks, but it just depends on what part of the city you're in because um, I live in Detroit, but I live on the outskirts, like 
what we call the uh, Metro Detroit area. Yeah. So like I'm kind of in the suburbs, not necessarily. My area is not really suburban, but I'm not necessarily in Detroit right now. So when you get more closer to the suburbs, then yeah, mass mandates are definitely uh, big. But when you start getting closer to the inner city and more around young younger demographics, people aren't necessarily um, pressed about wearing their masks. Now, there's still people who, who wear and there's still older people who, you know, um, thoroughly believe that they should be wearing a mask and they have they wear it when they're out but closer to the more inner parts of the city like i said we're so unaffected by politics right. or you know at least on a, on a micro level okay cool hey so since we started all about you know your uh who you were in high school and things like that so i have a, a, a list of questions for you and i want to dig deep but the first one that i'm going to bring up is the educational system mm -hmm. uh, what are your thoughts on the educational system? Um, uh, what do you think is uh, uh, good about them? If there's anything, what do you think is not good about them? Uh, what is your views on, on that? Um, that's that's an interesting question. I feel like, <clears throat> to be honest with you, the, the, the education system is totally irrelevant to an African-American person. I don't even want to use African-American because I feel like that's not the proper term. But for uh, for the sake of um, having a term to classify the people that I'm talking about, let's just say melanated, right? Dark, darker skin, melanated beings. <clears throat> I feel like the school system is not appropriate um, how it's set up now for people like us. And I say that because um, the system, right, the educational system, um, it reinforces uh, ideas of how the country was established and <clears throat> um, promotes, you know, people who are already beneficiaries of the system, but it doesn't teach melanated people about who we are, where we come from, um, what our culture was like before we got here. It doesn't teach us how to empower ourselves as people, as a community, as a conglomerate. You know, it doesn't teach us... Um, and, you know, I, I, I say that to say or I say that because I feel like the system, the education system is in favor of the hierarchy of classism. Right. It's in favor of the people who are already at the top, you know, or, you know, even the middle class. This It's in favor of supporting the system the way that it is. It's not in favor of change. The educational system is not a is not. Um, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? So, so, so let me, so, so, so let me ask you this. If, 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 um, well, no, I'm not gonna say if, but what do you think needs to be done in it? What would you like to see different? Like, what type of curriculum would you like to see put in place? Um, what I think would be necessary would be to have melanated educated scholars step up and um, be willing to teach our youth about our history, about, uh, you know, not just our history, but teach us things that inform us and educate us on how to um, be working, thriving members of society. I think in order for that to happen, we would have to have um, well-off melanated people Right. When I say well off, I mean like financially prosperous 
um, people who we admire and people who we feel like it's, it's something that we could strive to be be like, you know, teaching us through a system that's more relevant to who we are and what we have to offer the society. So I guess like a separation almost, um, or if not a, a total separation, just a, a, a more unique education system that pertains to our, our needs as a community and as um, a race. So, so, so if I'm, so to get this, uh, um, just to kind of sum it up, what you're basically saying is you want to see teachers in there who are, you know, black or darker, like the same complexion, um, and they would be highly educated, and you would like to see them to take the roles as teachers to teach um, the, the youth about uh, um, the, the true history. Right, uh, right. So, 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 so I'm, I'm assuming by that, that, that what, what you're saying is that right now in the schools that you are in is that most of the teachers aren't melanated. Am I accurate? Am I some, am I? Um, yes, that's partially, that's partially the point that I was wanted to convey is that a lot of the teachers are not melanated and the ones that are, um, they're still teaching us how to be a part of a system that doesn't favor melanated people. So when I say um, like to be educated and melanated, I mean, uh, and it, that's why I, I iterated that um, they should be people that we aspire to be on some type of level. So these should be people who, you know, have successful businesses, right? Black owned businesses, people who are successful, um, highly successful in whatever field it may be, but um, also, you know, part of a, a unit community that empowers us as young melanated people no, because no, no. it gives us, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. What, no, what about if, um, if, if, if they were just individuals, whether if they were melanated or not, maybe they were Asian, maybe they were Indian, maybe they were white, maybe they were whatever have you, and, and black as well too. I'm just going to use these terms. Um, uh, if 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 um, they were to come and, and teach uh, the same type of curriculum, do you think that would be just as effective? Um, I think it could be. I think particularly when we're talking about history, it should be somebody melanated because, and and this is kind of why I picture the system or the education I'm, uh, system that I'm speaking about as being melanated uh, in total in totality. But if if I had to be particular, I would definitely say history because I can't see someone accurately and enthusiastically teaching someone about their heritage, right? That's not of the same heritage, right? It's, it's a different enthusiasm that comes with teaching somebody something, right? That you're a part of, one. And then there's an enthusiasm about receiving information about something that you're a part of, right? When something's teaching you about where you come from, it's more interesting, you know, um, to learn about yourself. And then it's more interesting to teach about something that you're a part of. So an Asian or a Caucasian or um, whatever race, you know, no, no discrimination, but I feel like the, uh, it's a more effective approach to have somebody who's of the same diaspora, you know, teach someone, um, you know, uh, of, that, of that same ethnicity, right, about their history. It's it's a it's a an, an electricity there, I feel like that you can't get from, you know, the the differences. 
what what do you what what do you think about school um lunches? School lunches? Yeah. Uh, I feel like um the entire food pyramid needs to be restructured. I think um it's outdated and it if anything, right? Because I don't I don't want to <clears throat> I don't want to beat anybody's diet. Right. I don't want to uh, bash anyone's diet. So if anything, right, this is why I speak, um, you know, in the terms of saying melanated or speaking to the melanated community, because if anything, the, the food pyramid. Right. And with me not bashing anyone's anyone's diet, maybe it fits who, you know, the people who made it. Right. Maybe it fits its creators and the society that we live in. Right. But. It being relevant to melanated people it's definitely detrimental to um, the diets that we should uh, have physi physiologically, right? Oh, so, what um, type of diet, so, so what type of diet do you think that the melanated person sh should have? Um, I feel like the, di uh, the melanated person should return back to its organic nature and consume thoroughly organic um, products. So, that means um, no genetically modified foods. And I also believe that melanated people should not consume um, meat or dairy products. So if, um, and that's another reason why I feel like the school system, right? If we can't, if there's no compromise on these beliefs, it would have to be a certain type of um, uniqueness or special curriculum and special uh, accommodations for each group of people inside of the school. So melanated people, if they are, are in an integrated school, should not be served the same type of lunch as people of other races, because as our physiology is different, right? Our, um, what we need to eat, what we need to digest also is different in order to, in order to support that physiology. Same now, thing for with the educational space. Now, now, now when we say mel mel melanated people, um, you know, there's several different types of groups and everybody does have melanin within their skin, even if you're yeah. an albino. And, mm -hmm. and we have melanin in our brain, melanin in our eyes, but we're talking specifically about melanin in our skin, which is as we will name them as, as black people, or mm -hmm. are you putting like uh, Latino people in that category as well too? Um, uh, I, I put um, original, originally melanated people, originally black people, in the category first, and then I offer the invitation for people who have melanin or who have uh, African uh, diaspora in their blood to, um, you know, accept the invitation into the things that I'm talking about. So, like, I don't, I don't um, remove people from the conversation who have melanin, who have uh, black in their blood. I'm trying to get away from saying black. That's why I keep saying melanated, but right. there's definitely need to be an updated term other than black, but I'm just going to use black right now just to be, uh, just so we can be uh, specific. Okay. So anybody who has black in their blood other than um, people who are solely black, like I offer the invitation to them as well, but they, you know, Latino people are very proud about their, their own culture, you know? They're very proud about, you know, their own culture. And so are other people like Dominicans, you know, people like that. They sometimes they don't, they don't like to refer to themselves as black. They're proud about their culture. So, um, you know, I extend the invitation, but if, if it's not something that, you know, they want to accept as far as, you know, them having the same 
um, type of background as us, then, you know, that's something that, you know, I can't force, you know, oh. so I don't, I don't incorporate just any or everybody. I, 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 I set it around what I, uh, black people, you know, specifically when I talk about certain things and then I offer an invitation to, you know, maybe a Latina person who does have a lot of melanin in their skin. Okay. So, so to, to paraphrase what you're pretty much saying, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but you're saying that black people, uh, original diet or the diet should consist of strictly organic foods and plant-based foods. Yes. Mainly like, uh, I guess a vegan diet. So no dairy products whatsoever, all no dairy products. And, it sh- and it should be organic. And, and, at, and at that type of diet should mm-hmm. be served in public schools um, yes. for, for black people. Now, are, are you saying that, that white people or Latino people or Asian people that, that, their, that their diet doesn't, um, uh, shouldn't reflect that type of lifestyle that maybe they should have meat or something else incorporated in their diet? Is that what you're getting at? I'm saying that we have been subjected to what someone else presumed that a healthy diet is for as long as we've been in slavery and so forth, right? We've been subjected to what they believe that a healthy diet is. So I can't speak for them necessarily. I would like to think that nobody, you know, all people should be uh, should be exempt from eating meat and dairy, right? That's what I would like to believe. However, I feel like, you know, we as a as a community, black people haven't had the opportunity to have a unique diet, right? We haven't had the opportunity to have a a diet that's specifically for us because we've been subject to someone else's diet for so long. So if someone who's white or someone who's Asian, you know, believes that the diet that they consume is for them as a culture and a community, then so be it. But us as African-Americans, people who who are in America um, uh, by way of the tyranny of white supremacy, right? We have not had our own unique diet. So the Asian diet is unique. The European diet uh, may be unique to a certain degree. The American diet may be unique to a certain degree, but the African-American diet adopts, right? The American diet. You know, so you know, have- it's, it's, it's really funny that, that you say that because, you know, um, those who are watching, they probably know already, but I, I was a chef for like 27 years. I was in the mm-hmm. culinary industry, went to couple culinary schools and really engrossed in it. And mm-hmm. um, um, I read a lot of cookbooks and several cookbooks that I read about African cooking, they actually referred to that uh, Africans were originally vegetarians. So mm. when you look at when you look at the history, right, and you look at slavery and things like that, you know, I, I think a lot of people know this, but the food that, 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 that we were given at that time were like scraps and, and yeah. things of that nature. So we ended up taking a negative turn it into a positive and you know we pigs pigs feet right so that's mm-hmm. in you know i guess several of the uh african americans diet especially in the south pigs yeah. feet and and bacon and 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 a lot of people love bacon but that's just not to um uh, black people but mm-hmm. um uh, the, the diet you know chitlins and things like yeah. that right so pretty much the scrap parts of the meat that other people don't want so now we call that soulful so, right. so what you're saying is that there was a lost connection 
in, in the way that we used to eat to the way that we eat right now. And we need to get off of that program because that diet was given to us and that we really never ever knew what type of diet we, we originally had because we forgot about it. So by, right. going, by going back to that, that, that diet, what benefits do you think that that would have you know, uh, for uh, um, uh, people? And, and we're talking about, I guess right now we're talking about black people uh, mm-hmm. But I believe that this a vegan diet would be beneficial towards all all people. Mm-hmm. Um, but but um, what what benefits do you think that that would have? All right. Okay. So first, I'll say that, uh, like you, I do agree that the diet will be beneficial to all people. Um, but like I said, uh, we as a black community have been subject to someone else's diet for so long. They deemed that that diet was appropriate for them. So, um, you know, I don't want to speak against what they feel is necessary for them or what they feel like, you know, is a good diet for them. I just want to offer my people or black people the opportunity who as a people who never had their own diet to see that we don't come from the diet that they've given us. Um, The benefits. um, uh, Let's see, where do I start? I'll start by saying that everything is constructed of. Uh, of a certain chemistry, right? That bodes a certain energy. So this energy can be synonymous with uh, the word information, right? For me to keep it simple without trying to go too deep about it, right? Energy is synonymous with information. Everything that has uh, a cumulative, or that's what it's called, a cumulative uh, energy has a code of information. So when we digest food, right, <clears throat> we're not just eating food, right? We're ingesting a code of information. So when we, as products of the earth, right, as products of the ecosystem, when we digest or ingest codes of information, those codes of information as chemistry affect the code of information inside of our body, right? Which also has a set of chemistry and alters the cumulative energy that I was talking about before. So we ingest chemistry, right? We ingest energy that has chemistry and into our chemistry, it changes the chemistry and readjusts the energies of our bodies. Okay. So that is where the term you are what you eat comes from. Because whatever you eat, right, it begins to splice your genetics. It begins to splice your DNA over time. It infuses, right? Uh, your DNA is just a a, a, a code of chemical compositions, a code of different chemical compositions, different properties that form your strands of DNA. So as you ingest food, right, to recreate this DNA, right, in a process that's called anabolism, if I'm, if I'm being right, it's either one, one is one or the other, it's anabolism or catabolism, right? That's the, the building and the destruction of cells. I think anabolism is the construction. I could have it backwards though. But in a process called anabolism, you rebuild, right? 
your cells, you rebuild the structuring, the composition of your cells, then that's done by what you consume. So your, your DNA is recreated by what you eat on a regular daily basis, okay? So when we ingest things that as a vessel, we are not meant to ingest, then it gives us characteristics by way of our energy that we aren't meant to have, right? And we behave in manners that we shouldn't behave in because we're ingesting a code of information in the food that we eat that wasn't meant for our bodies. So to answer your question, the benefits that, uh, there's several benefits that uh, having a vegetarian, plant-based or vegan diet gives. But um, what I feel like is the, um, the dominant benefit is that, um, the amount of energy, right, towards your purpose, towards your original identity. Like I said, when you ingest certain foods, it takes, it takes you out of um, your original energetic state. So ingesting the proper foods allows you to identify with your original self, with your original purpose. Right. If you, you know, if you, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. You, you know, when I, when, when I, um, so I was raised a vegetarian, but then there was a time in my life where I was uh, rebellious and I went and I consumed a, a regular American diet and indulged in meat and things like that. And, and at that time, I gained a tremendous amount of weight and it did affect me mm. uh, psychologically and on a lot of different levels. You know, I, I wasn't able to think the way that I normally thought and, and things just kind of changed. But then I went back to the uh, diet. And, and I begin to feel better again, like my normal self after a year or two years. And, and what's, what's also interesting is I've done a lot of fasting. And, 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 and uh, you know, when you're fasting, I've fasted for like 30 days before, seven days, whatever. And, and, and when you're fasting, your body's completely empty. It's like, it's like water. You want to compare it to water. And then when I went back to eating food, it's like dropping a, a, bit, a bit of dye inside of the uh, water. And it mm -hmm. totally changes the structure of the water. And, and it's like when, when we when I when I ate certain foods, I actually realized how my thought process began to change. Mm -hmm. Maybe um, I ate a, a food that was processed. Maybe at that uh, moment I wanted to bite my nails, or if mm -hmm. I consumed sugar, maybe my thoughts were kind of um, um, uh, paralyzed, and I couldn't mm -hmm. think, and I couldn't go into certain areas of my brain that normally I had access to. So I right. definitely agree with you that food does change. Um, uh, uh, a lot uh, of the way that we go about our life. So what, what, what I wanted to say that is vegan, you know, veganism and plant-based diet and vegetarian system has been out for a long time. And nowadays, mm -hmm. um, you know, information is literally at the tips of our fingers. We have all these mobile devices. And, and, and we're saying that these need to be, you would like to see this implemented in schools and in the, the Black communities, uh, especially. Why do you think it is that a lot of uh, uh, black people or or black people that perhaps you've ever came across are not accepting this uh, um, diet? That's a good question. Um, <clears throat> I think that people are products of the social engineering, right, of their environment, and their makeup, right? So I do think that there's an agenda and there's been a plot against 
the forwarding of us as a people, of, of us as a community. So with that being said, um, people don't adopt these, these ideas because they have no incentive to, right? They don't have incentive. There's no incentive to, um, you know, go vegan or be vegetarian or have a plant-based diet when- But there, um, but there, but there is an incentive. There's, there's health, there's energy, there's uh, clarity, there's beauty. Right, so th- th- here, here's my point is that um, that is an incentive, but incentive is based off based upon you know what you consider valuable so our people don't consider those things valuable right um they don't consider health energy valuable and it's because the system that we're a part of has placed us in a um let's call it a shell where the way we communicate with one another is all we see necessary so i think that um, what happens when you're when you put when you're put in a position like that as a consciousness, right? What happens to you as a conscience is that um, you recycle the energy of the environment that you're in. Well, the divinity of consciousness is that when faced with right tyranny that is unbearable right, then at some point you make a change. So what I'm saying is that, right, you, you, you subject yourself to what you're accustomed to for so long until it's easier to fight than it is to hide, right? And I think that's the beauty of it because, it, you know, we spend, our, we spend our lives as a community, as a people hiding behind comfort, right? Because it's easier, but at some point, the development of consciousness right from generation to the next develops a, a claustrophobia where at some point it's it just becomes easier for you to say I want to do something that's better for you than it is for you to say um, I'm going to do what's comfortable right when the comfort when the comforting becomes damaging right to a degree that's unbearable then you get a light bulb that says okay then um pretty much I'm forced to do something that's better for me. And I think we've been under the tyranny of the system for so long that we're starting to reach an, an, an awakening point. So it's a progressive awakening point because fewer, I mean, more people start to adopt the principles and adopt the ideas as time progresses. And now it's at, a, at, a more, at an all time high. I think it's just because we've, you know, we, we were in the bed for so long, we were comfortable for so long, but we started to realize the longer we're asleep, the longer we stay in the bed, the less productive we are, you know, the less energy and health we have. And now we're moving in that direction towards health. So this just leads me into the next segue. My intuition tells me, um, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but my intuition tells me that you always didn't have the type of diet that you're talking about now. And, 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 and what happened what was the catalyst to and um, in order for that to change? And also, what, what was the awakening process, if we would call it that, um, that, that took place? You want to elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, definitely. Um, I didn't always have uh, the diet that I have. Uh, I, I ate a lot of those things that you, that you were talking about in the beginning, like the pig feed and <clears throat> so on and so forth. I actually, my diet 
uh, went through progressive, uh, progressive. I, I don't know if I should call it digressive or progressive stages, um, but I, I changed it um, incrementally over the years. Um, I've been on a spiritual journey since about 2014 as an adult, right? I grew up in a Christian church and I was, I was an avid um, member of the church. Like I, I had, you know, I was going to Bible study every week. I had my responsibilities in the church. I was even considered a minister in training as a, at a young age because I was, you know, my, my inclination of the scriptures was high. So, um, you know, in that religion, right, I, I had the same diet that my, that my parents had and, you know, the, the regular African-American diet, uh, I, I would presume. But as I began to get older, <clears throat> I still had the diet, but I started to look into uh, the diet. I, I, like veganism was something that was becoming big uh, in the mid uh, teens of the 2000s, like the 2014 till now, it started becoming big. And I started to feel guilt about eating meat, you know, because of the vegan movement. So, you know, with me raising my consciousness, I don't think that there's a way you can uh, raise your consciousness without becoming aware to veganism because it's a big thing right now you know it's a big idea so i had to investigate the vegan idea as i was uh raising my my consciousness and um i came to a, a conclusion in the beginning when i first came across it that um you know i had to deal with my guilt and i i i was able to surmount my guilt by telling myself that each person has a particular diet for them you know and that veganism is not something i had to adopt because of the pressure of uh, you know, killing animals or whatnot. Um, but as I began to further progress, right, um, I want to say what um, really sowed the seed was me coming to, across Dr. Sebi. So the um, the conscious, the, like the conscious development is a scatter, bro. It's like a thousand piece puzzle. Like, you know, you don't just wake up one day for me, for me using myself as an example, but I think it's kind of a, um, a general idea. You don't just wake up one day and say, I want to change the way I eat. It's because you're researching and you're doing so much different things that you start to come across different uh, uh, mediums that are conveying certain type of messages. And those messages may consist of certain type of diets, right? As you're searching for to identify with who you are, who you want to be. So um, Dr. Sebi, I came across him and I think he sowed a big seed in me about um, you know, eating vegetarian. However, I came across him in 2018 and I still didn't adopt the diet. Um, I think what, what fully pushed me over the edge was the fact that um, I started to um, raise my own vibration, right? I started to come into a higher development of consciousness. And in that development of consciousness, you realize that you are a part of the universal energy that is all things, right? So in um, understanding that, Right. And 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 then understanding how um, I don't think uh, that um, eating meat is totally wrong. But I, I do think that we Americanize the idea. And what I mean by Americanize is we industrialize killing animals so that we can have pleasurable meals. So when when I equate that or when I when I when I take that idea and I fuse it with the idea of acidity and alkalinity, then I get the conclusion right, that um, we should not be vegetarian. And that's how I, I mean, we should not be, I'm sorry, we should not be, we should be vegetarian, we shouldn't be meat eaters. And that's the concept that I adopt 
um, upon myself, which caused me to change my diet about two months ago, fully to a uh, vegetarian. Before then I was pescatarian. Um, before then I was eating only lean meats like chicken and only fish, chicken and fish only. And then before then, I think I stopped eating uh, um, beef. No, I stopped eating pork and I was only eating beef. You know, it was like incremental throughout the years. So uh, ultimately I would just say that, um, you know, we industrialized killing animals. And when I started to identify myself as a part of the universe and a part of all things, I didn't like the idea of how you know, we, we, we go about, you know, the, the destruction of the planet and the ecosystem just to have pleasurable meals. On top of the fact that I started to thoroughly understand acidity and alkalinity and those two merged together to put me over the edge. And I've right. been happy vegetarian for two months and I ne I'm never going back. I haven't even thought about it. Okay, great, great. So um, I want to talk to you about racism. Um, you know, obviously in Detroit, um, Michigan is predominantly black. Um, you know, it's, it's not too far from the area of, uh, I believe, you could quote me if I'm wrong, but where George Floyd uh, passed. passed. I'm not, oh yeah, 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 you're right, you're right. That happened in Minneapolis, right? Right, it's kind of in the same area, right? Yes, it's in the same area. It's okay. not, it's not far. Yeah, so, so, um, um, you know, and, and I lived all over America from New York to Philly to Atlanta to wherever. And um, okay. and uh, um, what 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 I'm trying to accomplish here, and mainly with the show, right? The show's seven circles: health, wealth, mm -hmm. friends, family, love, spirituality, and self. I'm trying to figure out, and I ask all of my guests these questions, regardless of what background they're from, is how can we end racism in America? Mm -hmm. And and, mm -hmm. and and that has definitely brought it up, you know, even more this year. Of course, we know it's been existing, but with the current president that we have in office, mm -hmm. because, excuse me, the country became so divided. And then it, we just kind of seen it. And then also because of this whole Black Lives Matter movement thing and, and the death of George Floyd. Right. Do, you, do you think it's possible to end racism in America? And I would love to end it in the whole entire planet, but do you think it's possible to end it in America? And also, do you think that, um, um, I mean, if so, uh, what, what methods do you think would actually uh, make that a reality? Um, yes, I think it's definitely possible to end racism in America. I think uh, it's something that can and will happen over time with uh, you know, the great awakening that we're a part of right now. Um, I think in order for it to happen, um, we have to become politically educated. And that's something that I've taken the initiative to do and become right in the times that we live in right now. But I think, um, We've been taken for idiots, right? We've been taken as a population, not even just the black community, but we've been taken for um, idiots, uneducated on politics as we simply just um, identify with the party that we know, like our community or our, or our people regularly identify with. So from generation to generation, we just identify with a certain political party without doing our own research on the specific candidates. And I think in that, um, in that state of mind, right, we've allowed 
the political parties to dupe us on what they actually stand for because we've we've grown accustomed to what we think that they used to stand for right so um my for example um people especially in the black community go for the democratic party automatically right without doing much research you know um, that's how my, my family thinks. I can use my family as an example. That's how they think they go for Democrats every year or every time it's time to vote. And that's just what it is. You know, it's always uh, and now with the Republicans. Now, I don't think either side necessarily um, is should just be, uh, you know, uh, gaslighted. I think that's the right term. Um, but I do believe that um, there's things to be investigated and there's things that we can change in both parties. Nonetheless, we can come up with our own party as a middle ground. But uh, to get back to the point of the Democratic Party, most people are not familiar with the concept or the idea that the Democratic Party, right, um, had certain beliefs in the beginning of their party. They are the ones who initially believed in racism. The Republican Party was created to refute the racist ideas of the Democrats, right? So was inaugurated Abraham Lincoln who um, inoculated slavery, okay? But the Democratic Party was the ones who wanted to hold on tight to their, to their views and their ideas of slavery because the slave trade or yeah, the slave trade funded their, um, their, their cotton and agricultural businesses in the South. This is why we had 11 states um, succeed uh, or, you know, fail to succeed at succession from the United States, right? That's 11 states who tried to leave the United States and they formed a confederacy. Um, but these, this confederacy, confederacy was composed of Democrats, okay? So the Confederate flag actually represents the 11 Democratic states who elected to separate from the country in order to um, go against Abraham Lincoln, who was a Republican who freed the slaves. So my point is that we automatically go Democrat. We automatically go Democrat. But what they what they have done, right, as the Democratic Party is they've massaged their same beliefs as being, you know, um, um, racist and and with that meaning keeping the African American culture beneath in order for us to be above white supremacy, they've massaged those same ideas on us, but under false pretenses, under concepts of, uh, what is it, uh, ego, ego uh, I, I don't, I forget the word, but it's uh, uh, under the false pretense of equality. So, right? so they make it seem like they're liberal, but in actuality, they're still massaging their same message and we just vote for it. So, so you're saying that it is possible to get rid of racism and that you definitely think that it's something that could happen and that in order for that to happen, a method that uh, uh, people in general, but inclu including black people uh, need to actually become self-educated about how the judicial system actually works because, yeah. for, because for the longest, we have just been under the impression that there were only two parties, Democrat and Republican, not knowing mm -hmm. that you can make up your own party which mm -hmm. Kanye did, birthday party, or there's the Green Party, or there's the Liberal Party, etc. Mm -hmm. And it's also important mm -hmm. to know about the different branches of government, such as the executive branch, the judicial branch, as well as the um, 
executive to judiciary as well as the legislative legislative yeah. branch. And actually, legislative branch has to do with the local community, and that's where you actually make up laws, and then those laws <laughs> go up to the executive branch, and then either those laws get passed or vetoed. So by becoming mm -hmm. educated in the political realm, that's where actually changes could begin to uh, be made. And that's yeah. slowly, but, slowly but surely if the right people get inside of those structures, right, systemic, and then mm -hmm. you think that uh, uh, um, racism will slowly but surely decline and eventually become eradicated. Am I correct in my analysis? Um, you, you are correct. I will add that um, I think the ending of racism is imminent because, right, as we grow, as a country, as we like, and when I say grow, I mean literally, as we transition from one generation to the next, the idea of ra racism, I feel like slowly dismantles itself because kids are not born to hate, right? They're taught to hate. And we integrate more and more each generation, right? So it, it, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It inadvertently right, deteriorates, right? Racism is what I'm talking about. It, it inadvertently deteriorates as we proceed from generation to generation anyway on its own. However, the system, right, is built, it's structured around a form of racism, right? Which I feel like now the racism is just classism, but it's built around a form of racism. Systems don't change unless people change systems. So people are not necessarily, they don't necessarily have to be racist, right? I don't think all of the cops who kill black people are racist. I don't think all of the cops who do illegitimate police stops are necessarily racist. However, they're, they're abiding by uh, the quotas of a system, right? That they have to, um, um, uh, that they have to uphold. So the system doesn't have to change as the generational racism deteriorates. So I think the generational, the generational idea of racism will deteriorate on its own inadvertently, but in order for it to uh, show, you know, result, the system has to be changed. In order for the system to be changed, we have to become politically inclined so that we can get involved and change the system. So ch check this out, um, <clears throat> ladies and gentlemen, Put your hands together for um, Dante Leverett, <laughs> the president. <laughs> right? What 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 would be the first thing that you would change if you were in office? Um, that's crazy, you know, because I was thinking about <laughs> I was just thinking about that before we got on got on the live. I was thinking about things of that nature. Um, the first thing that I would change when I got in office as a president would be welfare. I feel like welfare is a double-edged sword and it's been used as a pacifier to um, perpetuate classism. So I would change it. I would um, come up with, instead of welfare, right? <clears throat> I, I would come up with a plan that um, pretty much like a venture capital fund that would fund, not only fund, but it would educate um, people who are a part of the welfare system, who are part of the lower classes of the pyramid scheme, it would educate them on how to properly, right, conduct a business and actualize a business. And then it would fund their business ideas, right, and so on and so forth. But that would be used as a financial method to replace welfare because welfare only pacifies the people who are on it, right, to stay 
in a impoverished state. It pretty much incentivizes staying poor, right? And that's demonic to me, um, but that's the method of the Democrats. Um, you know, I, they I, incentivize I like, poverty. I like how you said, um, well, I really agree with that, first of all. And, and, I, and I like how you said that the demonic because if you look at the Hebrew word of uh, poor, it actually means uh, somewhere similar to demonic. Mm. And, you know, a lot of people have this condemnation about, about money, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, money's the root of all evil, but in reality, it's not. Money just magnifies uh, the person that you are. Um, right. Magnifies. So I, I, I want to move, I want to move along a, a little bit. Um, okay. And I want to talk about, um, you mentioned a couple of times in your videos as in this conversation about uh, an awakening. Mm-hmm. And, um, <clears throat> you know, to me, it seems that uh, 20, what do we got? This 2020, December 21st, it resonates mm-hmm. with December uh, 12th, December 21st. And uh, we all know what that was like. The whole world was conscious of it. Um, right. um, I do feel a, 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 an awakening is happening. happening. Mm-hmm. I do feel a shift is happening. And I've spoken to several people and a lot of people felt it as well too. I wanted your perspective on that and, and what do you see uh, um, coming and, and, and um, just what are your thoughts on that? You, you mind share? Yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like December 21st, 2020 is a moniker for the Great Awakening. I don't think um, the actual date, <clears throat> right? right? For me personally, I use the date as an intention grabber to people who um, emphasize the importance of the date in their mind, right? Or in their, their conscious and their subconscious. However, they resonate with the date. I know that it's a date that's uh, an attractive date, right? Um, because of the propaganda behind the date. So that's why I say it's a moniker for a representation of um, the Great Awakening. I feel like <clears throat> astrology rules everything, right? Um, the that's pretty much just the influence of the energy from our solar system, right? That inspires our Earth to act accordingly, right? Um, I think uh, December twenty first is the propaganda behind it is because there there are going to be several significant alignments in our stars, some of which that haven't um, that haven't happened in over three. To 2,500 to 3,000 years, right? That's the significance of some of these alignments. However, um, how that is relevant to us as a people who live on the planet is that those alignments are nothing but constellations of energy, right? That influence our energetic atmosphere, which then changes the chemistry of our earthly plane, which then adjusts the energy on the earthly plane. So it's an heightened, it's a heightening, a heightening of energy that uh, is taking place. Um, I think with that, right, um, you can see as these these planetary alignments and these astrological alignments um, are are progressing towards these rare. Um, constellations the energy building up right uh and the build up towards the date of the actual manifestation of these constellations we're receiving uh different 
chemistries on our planet because of the different alignments in the solar system that facilitates different energies on our planet. And it raises the capacity for energy because we have different influences. So um, I think that's, that's the, the, the great awakening on an astrological level. But if you look at it on a practical level, you don't need the stars to tell you that um, when you look around, like we could, we could focus in our lens on America specifically. There is an awakening happening in our country, right? There's a bunch of different people standing up for what, they're, what they believe. There's a veil that's being lifted off of people's eyes. Oh, these candidates don't necessarily represent what we thought they represented. Or, um, you know, like Trump isn't as bad as I thought. That's one of my veils being lifted. That's because I became an independent thinker. And I said, oh, Trump is not as bad as I've been forced to believe, right? But so it's happening on a political level. It's happening on a regular life level. Like there's, you know, people like that, I, that I'm close to who don't know anything about uh, the astrological aspect or politics, but they, they seem to feel like their life is drastically changing around this time, especially in 2020, right? You can see it with COVID-19. You can see it with so many different aspects that pertains to life, but especially in 2020, where it's like an, a great awakening, right? It's like, it's a difference. So um, I think those astrological alignments are manifesting here on the earthly plane. And a lot of people don't recognize what those, what those alignments may be, but it manifests in a practical manner that we can see. Like 2020 has been a year of, if nothing else, um, you know, uh, information, right? It's informative. Like it, there's been a shaking of the foundation that has caused some people to, um, you know, cling to the, the comfortable situation they already know, but it has caused others to expand their horizons and think differently about the life that they've been leading. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, you, know, you know, in one of your videos, you talked about floods coming in. I don't know if you've mm -hmm. seen the interview that I did with Gypsy Love, but she mentioned that as well too. So I ended up mm -hmm. doing some research on my own. And this year and along 2020, there are gigantic floods in China um, that mm -hmm. um, are real big. I think some of the biggest ones they ever had you know, I have a, 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 a friend down in Jamaica. I'm actually going to be interviewing him tomorrow. And what's yeah. happening down, down there is really big right now. I mean, coffins are actually floating across the place and dead bodies. Like, it's really bad down there. There are floods in um, 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 uh, all different parts of Europe. My fiance is actually in Finland. Uh, okay. And I, I believe it's in, in France. There are big floods and also some other parts of uh, Europe. I don't quite remember wow. but and also as well in india i believe and and uh there are floods everywhere so when you say floods wow. i, I kind of wanted you to elaborate on that a little bit and, and what are your mm -hmm. uh, thoughts on that and do you think that it has anything to do with this um uh energy if you will okay um <clears throat> i think um the flood I, I do think there's a flood coming however i believe that the flood that is coming to America. And I didn't know about a lot of the floods you were talking about. So that's, that's, that's something that I definitely want to research. Um, but I believe that the flood is com that's coming to America is a planned catastrophe. Okay. I think um, we have to take in consideration first before we can even uh, come to the conclusion that it's a planned catastrophe. We have to, uh, you know, hypothesize why. And, um, my hypothesis stimulates from the fact that uh, 
and there's a quote that I that I read that says, um, in paraphrasing, I think I'm going to be paraphrasing, the the one who controls the food controls the population. So <clears throat> with the food shortage that's also happening globally, right, that our country is failing to inform us about, um, partially failing to inform us because, you know, they 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 don't want to stir propaganda, which ultimately stirs propaganda. But I think the other reason that they, they partially fail to inform us is because America is not um, is not immensely affected by the world's uh, food shortage because we have our own sources of food that don't all um, are that that are not all reliant on our international trade, even though we do have a big international trade with our food. But to the point is that um, there's a food shortage going on, and the wildfires in Brazil, right? America does have international trade with Brazil. They harm um, the they are harming the uh, the Amazon. The wildfires harm the Amazon. Not to mention they harm some of the crops, but they harm the Amazon, and the Amazon is the form of precipitation to the land in Brazil. So with the burning of the Amazon, <clears throat> that means there's going to be less ability for precipitation to fall upon um, the, the land of the South American countries, or yeah, South American, I believe they're countries that are under fire right now. And that means they're going to be able to bow less crops, which means they're going to inflate their prices in order to trade um, with international countries because they have less supply now. So in order to meet the quotas of their demands, they have to raise the price, which is inflation. So um, that's going to contribute to uh, America's food shortage because we buy from this place. Um, and, and we do buy uh, in, in, in bulk and in, in large amounts from South America. So um, when you consider that, and you consider Oregon, Washington, and California are also on fire right now, which are big uh, contributions to America's food, then um, you you can we can we can come to a conclusion that um, and uh, may I got to add too that they're they're not telling us the uh, intensity of um, or 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 the severe ramifications of those three places California Washington and Oregon being on fire but there are crops and farmlands being destroyed as well as ag agriculture that precipitates rainfall which will make these places uh in the case of california which is already dry even drier less rain right which means less crops so um we uh the research that i've been doing also shows that um the food banks of america which is a conglomerate of 200 of over 200 food banks that work together to um get food to families who can't afford, uh, you know, I, I think, it, what's, the, what's the term it's called? Um, um, let's just say they're poverty. This is a term that I can't think of. They're poverty and they can't afford food. The food banks of America get these people food. They have went up from 30 million families since the pandemic. Now they're serving nearly 60 million families and they're projected to be serving over 80 million families by the end of the year. They're also projecting an 8 billion people meal shortage by 2021. There's 8 billion meals that they won't be able to provide as the poverty continues to rise by 2021. So let's bring it all home. <clears throat> um, the food bank conglomerate is on the East Coast, right, where I'm projecting that the flood will be. The food bank conglomerate is on the East Coast of our country. Um, I feel like the flood is planned and it's going to uh, 
happen on the East Coast in order to destroy, right, the excess supply of food so that what we do have as a nation can be controlled and leveraged, you know, for the compliance of the American people. So they're going to uh, facilitate this flood, crash out, wipe out everything that's happening on the East Coast with the food banks. And now those poor people who need food are going to have to rely on the government for the food and not the food banks because the food banks are not government um, uh, governmental entities, right? They're independent. So now they have to rely on the government. Um, these people who, who are um, who are affected by this flood on the East Coast are going to have to migrate towards the Midwest. They're going to be militarily escorted to the Midwest. And when they arrive here at the Midwest, these uh, FEMA, uh, you know, who's involved with escorting these people and the military escorts that are involved, escorting these people are going to already be in the streets, you know, to, um, to, to instate the martial law of the pandemonium that's going to come from the lack of food Right. And the just the, the, the catastrophe of the situation, they're going to announce that there's a food shortage and it's going to be because they destroyed half of the food banks of America. You know, and then on the West Coast, there's on the West and on the, the, the West side of the country, there's the fires. And then there's Brazil. There's a bunch of lack of food going on. Therefore, whatever they have, they can leverage like I said, for the compliance of the American people. That is, that, that is really interesting. And I hope I really hope that you were wrong because yeah, me too. <laughs> I, I, I definitely would not want to see that. Let me ask you about vaccines. What are your thoughts about vaccines? Um, um, I think so, especially because of like COVID, you know? So. Yeah. I think uh, the vaccines play into uh, the, the, the theory that I surmised as well. Um, <clears throat> that is the reason that they're going to try to um, plan the flood and provoke this, um, provoke this, this leverage of power, right? It's not, they're not doing it for, for no reason. No, the vaccine, there's a video that I uh, released on my uh, um, YouTube that YouTube took down. It was a two and a half hour video of me like going in and kind of explaining the point of the pandemic and why it happened. And then I put a clip of it on my Instagram. But the point is there's this, uh, this high level banker who was also a part of the Clinton administration who um, she's pretty much helping to lay out the tracks of um, what the UN represents and what the, the the world agenda is about, right? And they're pretty much, right? It's not impractical, nor is it abstract. They pretty much want to go into uh, a state of living that's more um, that's more artificially intelligent, okay? So the vaccine, um, she said, right, um, is like the combination of them trying to uh, meet the new currency right, with the artificial intelligence. So the vaccine is about compliance. So when, you know, they inject people with these vaccines, the idea is to change the, the, the structure, right, the DNA structure of the individual by changing the chemistry of the individual, right? And you encode that chemistry with a method of compliance. So though that method of compliance may be nanoparticles, whatever, you know, the conspiracy theories might wanna come up with and say it's actually in the vaccine, but we know that the vaccine as anything you put into your body changes your chemistry, which changes uh, the conglomerate of energy. All right, so let me get back on, on track. Um, the point that I'm making is that if, they can leverage the food, right? The, whoever controls the food controls the power or controls the population. 
if they can leverage right uh power by determining who eats then they can determine the qualifications that it takes for you to be able to eat so in my opinion right and i heard uh it's a guy who i watch called ralph smart um covid represents certificate of vaccination id that's what it stands for right well you're going to have to be vaccinated in order for you to be approved slow motion yeah slow motion that's uh, yeah i love that guy um you're going to have to be um approved um you're going to have to have vaccination id in order to be approved to eat and it's only going to be because like i said they wiped out the independent sources of food right the independent sources of food that's happening on the west and on the east they they they've nullified those independent sources so that they can be the 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 relier or the one that we rely on for um our food consumption and then they're going to be able to leverage that by saying if you don't have the vaccine then you're not going to be able to eat and that's why they're taking away the food that's why they're going to do the flood in my opinion i'm definitely assuming that you are uh, anti-vaccine am i correct yes most definitely baby fetuses and and metals no i'm not i'm not with that (laughs) got you um what what drives you what drives you to do all this research what drives you to better yourself what what is it inside of you that pushes you that that motivates you and and i ask this question because you know i I know conspiracy theorists i know the where the conspiracy theorists originated from from the fbi around the time Mm -hmm. of the to kind of debunk Mm -hmm. that and when you put titles on things it just kind of washes um you know other things away and kind of takes away the the merit of it or the Mm -hmm. validity of it and people it's just like oh that's a conspiracy theorist easy Mm -hmm. to write it off you know and uh, what, what, what I what I see, in, and again, I looked up all of that stuff. I've been in doing this forever. Um, and some of it I agree with with it. Some of it I don't. I consider mm-hmm. myself a free thinker. You know, um, I don't even consider myself belonging to one specific race. I mean, you know, when we say that we're, we're Black people, yeah, we are Black people, but, you know, I have my roots in Native Americans. And then, of mm-hmm. course, Black people were uh, are raped as well, too. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, when they were slaves, so they have part, part white in them. And if you mm-hmm. look at the, the African-American and compare it to somebody from Africa, it's two completely different people. We're just, we're, we're the, the African people are a mixture of a bunch of other people, regardless if we want to admit it or, or, or not. So that's deep. But, but what I like doing is I like having the hard conversations because that's how I believe things get better. It's like, if you, if you go to a therapist, right? And, and, or if you have a drug problem, right? You go into AA, my name is Jonathan. I'm an alcoholic. My name is Jonathan. I'm a heroin addict. You have to admit it first. You have to admit that you have a problem in your mm-hmm. relationship before things can actually get fixed. And if you're in denial and you and you mask that denial with drugs or or sex or whatever, the problem never ever gets fixed because you aren't facing it, right? So you have to right. face it. So I say all of this to say is that a lot of people that I recognize, um, and this is not even my opinion. I think it's a fact. Um, maybe it's a, a little bit of both, but a lot of people take the victim mentality. A lot of a, a lot of, uh, of, uh, of uh, black people want to blame white people. A lot of white people want to blame uh, black people, or they want to blame the government, or you know, the, the Chinese will blame the Japanese, or the Haitian will blame the Jamaican, or the Guatemalan will blame the Mexican. It goes on and on. It's divisive. We're passing the ball back and forth, right? And it's just mm-hmm. just. A, it's this game of this destruction. Um, and what's really interesting is that if you look at the, the definition of blame and by definition, the opposite is to forgive, right? 
um, mm -hmm. and, or, 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 or um, um, the opposite of forgive is to resent. And there's a lot of resentment. There's a lot of blame in this country, a lot of passing the ball back and forth, regardless of what sector of the country you, you go into, whether it's in race or education or this or, or, or government or whatever. What, what does it take for people just to stand up and to take self-responsibility and to actually look in the mirror and say, you know what? The only enemy is the enemy because everything mm -hmm. is just a reflection of, of us. And, 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 and most people blame, complain and explain, but they, they want to point the finger like Scarface said, but they never mm -hmm. want to point the finger while they're looking in the mirror. And, 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 and you're in this awakening process and I really do commend you for that. And like, I, like I said at the beginning of our conversation, it's this transparency about you that I really respect. Um, and it took me a long time to come with this transparency and this vulnerability and to understand the power in that. So mm -hmm. to, to bring it all back home, what drives you? Um, I, I love the question, by the way. Um, I love how you uh, flowed into the question. Um, I, bro, honestly, I consider myself a glitch, right? I consider myself a glitch in the matrix. And I say that to say that the denial that most people have is perpetual, right? Is perpetual, meaning it doesn't totally come from them. It comes from their parents. It comes from their grandparents, right? They, they're, they, they, they're thinking and they're acting in patterns, right? From what I observed, they're thinking and acting in patterns that are not um, unique, right? They're not independent to what the people who preceded them, right, uh, 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 acted in, right, behaviorally. It's just the perpetuation of the same thing happening over and over and over again. So um, I analyze this as um, a cycle of energy, right? When you, when you put energy in a circuit, the energy is just going to simply <laughs> traverse through the circuit the same way over and over again, scientifically, right, electrically, the energy will 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 like I said traverse through the circuit in the same way it won't it won't make any sudden movements it won't move differently right until you change the parameters of the energy then it moves different um it goes back to what I was saying in the beginning of our conversation that um um hold on hold on I, I get I go like blank sometimes when I'm when I'm talking um let me recapture what I was about to say okay so um uh, it's cool, and, and and maybe the thought will uh, come back. Um, yeah, what does and, and that that's happened to me, and everybody has been. Oh, oh, I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. Unless you want to say what you're about to say. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Um. Yeah. So, um, that's what I what I uh something I was saying before is that um, we get to the point where uh our consciousness right develops uh, a, a a proactive state to the claustrophobia of of misery right so like you get comfortable you, you you're in this comfortability right this is what I, what I what i mean when i'm talking about this perpetuation of of energy right they're perpetuating um this energy from generation to generation they're trapped in this cycle right but at some point right it becomes easier to fight than it does to hide right and at that point right that's when awakening happens that's when you begin to right it's the extreme of chaos right it's, those are it's, th these are the two extremes chaos and organization right chaos and peace right the extreme of being on one end causes you to question your reality right it's the it's the polarity of the of of the reality so when you are on one extreme right of the polarity then 
you innately visualize, if that's a word, you innately visualize the opposite side of the spectrum just because you're you're so extremely on one side of the fence, right? It's, it's because we live in a dualistic world, when you're on one side of the extreme, you automatically visualize the other side, which is the start of the awakening. So I, my point is that um, the chaos, right, pushes you into a, a point of misery where it's easier to fight than it is to feel comfortable or than it is to hide. And I'm a product, right, of that, that awakening on my end, as far as, as it pertains to how, you know, how I've, I've come about, right? Um, my generation, who I am, right, that comes from the generation of lineage that I come from, when you date it back, like, I mean, like the actual sperm cell and the DNA inside of it, every place that it came from hundreds and hundreds of years before I actually arrived, right, um, is a product of being pushed into the corner until it became easier to fight back than it did to hide. I'm a product of my lineage, right? Finding it easier to fight than to hide. So that is me looking, coming from one extreme and saying, okay, right? You know, it, it was, it's, 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 it's too much, right? Things need to change. Well, that's because I was born on the, on, on the, the extreme end of the polarity, right? Of, of negativity that makes me look at the positivity as, a, a mark to press toward. So I'm not special. It's just that I am just a product of the energy coming into what I like to call a glitch spot. It's like I see things differently only because my people have suffered so severely that I see the other side of the of the pole because they suffered from one from one extreme. So I'm automatically inclined to visualize the other side of things, and um, like it doesn't you, take. Said, I, you know. I, I, I like the way you put that, and and it's it's funny because you said that, you know, you know, I was like, uh, what's your name? Uh, as far as the whole thing, and you was like, I don't have an alias, and um, that should be your alias, I think, is the glitch. The glitch. <laughs> I think I think that that's, that's really um, catchy, and um, you should coin that. Uh, I like that. Yes, it's, it's really really good. So so um, and I know I kind of cut you short, but we are kind of pressing our time a little bit. Okay. So I, I, I wanted I wanted to ask you. What does 2020 mean to you if you had to sum it up in a sentence or a phrase? What would be that phrase for you? The phrase to sum up 2020, um, as cliche as it sounds, would have to be clear vision. And it's only because I've seen things clearer than I've ever seen them before. Um, I've had things happen to me that I've never had happen before, right? Um, I just, I've seen a lot. And from every aspect, right, spirit, mind, and body, I've seen a lot. Um, you know, my, my experiences have substantially grown. So I've seen my experiences change from one end of the spectrum to the next. Um, I've seen beneath um, the, 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 the cover of the life that I live. I've seen beneath the facade of the system, the facade of the government, right? I've just seen a lot, right? So, um, 2020 as it applies to um you know the term 2020 vision i think um it's definitely relevant to the year as well lifting out of veil yes yes okay um what um if any regrets do you have i don't have any regrets um i would like to sit here and think about 
if I had regrets just to uh, thoroughly answer the question, but I know it's nothing I have to think about because I've been asked this before. And the answer is usually, the answer is always the same. Um, I don't have regrets only because I choose to look at my life as um, learning and learning lessons. So, you know, when I, when something happens, you know, I see it as an opportunity to learn from it. There's, there's literally no way that I can lose with that approach. Like I don't, I can't take a loss with viewing my life that way. You know, like if, if something goes wrong, right, then I, I learn from it and I, and I, I keep pushing forward. And if it goes wrong the same way 30 times, then, you know, I, I introspect and I see that there's something that I'm not doing unless I, I deem this wrongness appropriate. You know, other than that, then there's something that I'm not doing. So I need to look inside and I need to figure out what I need to learn, you know, in order to get over this hump. So no, no regrets, uh, all lessons learned. And I'm, I'm, I'm proud to be able to view my life from that perspective because I don't have any guilt or regrets. And what about happiness? What makes you happy? Um, that's funny because that's something that uh, I was struggling with as this month, especially as I, I was re-identifying myself. Um, from where I was coming from until now, um, what makes me happy is to be free. It makes me happy to not feel confined to someone else's idea of what my life should be, right? That makes me happy. So um, happiness, um, what I've been finding is the external manifestation of peace uh, of hope i'm sorry right so when you when you have hope and you can identify with who you are as a person by that hope right hope is internal not external hope is now not tomorrow right when you can identify with now and the internal opposed to the future and the external then you you surmise a theory of who you are right and you identify with that theory so you know by me identifying with the theory of who I am based off of what I'm capable of doing, what I'm able to do in the moment, right? What I'm able to do in the moment, that brings me external happiness, right? That makes my, my, my physical being actually happy because I'm identifying with who I feel like I want to be, who I feel like I am. Not necessarily who I want to be. I don't want to use that because it, it incites a future, but I identify with who I see myself as in the now. Right. And it's that that's all that all culminates to um, liberty of freeness. You know, like that's what makes me happy is 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 to be unrestricted to to let my energy flow. Mm. That's beautiful, man. It's really, really Thank beautiful. Um, final question. Yeah. Um, what advice would you give to the world, to each individual listening uh, to make this? place a uh, better place this planet that we all live on that we all share what mm -hmm. what what would you say to somebody who's listening right now um i would say that everything is energy so if you find yourself aware awake right and you're putting pressure on yourself to feel like you have to change the world and it's causing you to look at other people and say, why aren't you awake? Why don't you see things as clear as they really are or how they should be seen, right? I feel like um, it's your job 
being that you are awake to continue to spread the message that you're spreading to convey, right? The information that you're conveying, but those who aren't awake, right? They're playing their role as well, right? In the perpetuation of energy, right? There's no, there's no out to this. So once you continue to convey the information that you convey and spread the energy that you spread, then once somebody gets a hold of it, then it's no longer your job, right? To make sure that they get a hold of it. It's no longer your job to determine what they do, but it's your job to put it out there because once they get the energy, then they're, then it becomes their burden for lack of a better words. I don't necessarily want to call it a burden, but knowledge can be a burden. It becomes their burden to become awakened. So you can't, you, you can't unhear something. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, um, with that idea of not being able to unhear, right, that's simply in energetic terms and science terms, that's the inability to stop energy. That's that has a stronger force than you have resistance, right? It's going to break something. It's going to crash something. Right. So um, keep spreading positive energy. Right. right? And, you know, it'll it'll do what it's what it's supposed to do, whether you carry the burden of being awake or not, you know, spread the energy because it'll it'll awaken somebody else. And those who are not awake, they probably won't be listening to this broadcast anyway, because it's about energy. Right. So if they're not listening to this and it's certain things that they don't hear or certain energies that they don't grasp because they not, they're not awake, then, like I said, they're a part of the world, too. They're a part of the, prog the, the process as well. So, you know, just just be patient and let it play out. You know, like I said, it's our responsibility to put the positivity out there, to put the information out there and it does like energy does it it has its own field of gravitation and its own attractiveness and it'll 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 do what it does if people if people wanted to get in contact with you how would they be able to do that um you guys can reach me at youtube on uh on youtube at dante leverett d-o-n-t-e-l-e-v-e-r-e-t-t -E -E uh the same on facebook i'm not uh, regularly on Facebook, but I do check it from time to time. You can reach me at Instagram, the same handle. Um, and yeah, uh, you can reach me at my email, the same handle at gmail.com. So um, I'm fairly accessible. You know, um, you guys can follow me on those platforms. I would love it. Um, I'm, I'm planning to unroll un un a bunch of a bunch of creative things and a bunch of highly informational um, um concepts or ideas so just just stay tuned cool. and yeah that's how you reach me hey man uh i appreciate you coming on the program it has been a delight uh hopefully that you have a great day a great week a great month a great year and a great life um thanks for tuning in to seven circles my name is jonathan and until next time yes sir cool um